Now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Accountant, Stockbroker and Financial Planner. Just like it says in the title, Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard, good afternoon. A big program between now and one. Yeah, good afternoon, Mark. Yes, we've got a big program, like we've always got a big program. So we've got um, currencies and commodities first up. Uh, Henry's return from his... So, John. Oh, he's been all over Europe, hasn't he's he? He's been here, there, and Shopping, so no sure doubt. Really you're obsessed with Henry's shoes, aren't you? He bought and a $700 that... pair of shoes. I mean, let's get real. <laughs> yeah, well, Ira Williams' boots cost that now. Um, <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, and then we've got... Um, oh, we're going to talk about... Uh, the uh, process financial planning processes. <laughs> and uh, Stephen, as always, we'll kick things underway, having a look at the currency and commodities in the marketplace. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of change from last week, really. I mean, the price of gold was up, uh, oh, sorry, it was down $11.29 to $1,655 an ounce. Um, the copper price was up uh, $59 a tonne to $8,399. And the crude oil price was down $1.69 a barrel to $109.14. I don't think we saw a lot of that at the Bowser, though, did we? No. <laughs> probably no. not. The Bowser, yeah. M- 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 in the same directions, probably, <laughs> The closest you could say. Um, uh, the US dollar, um, the Australian, Australian currency up was 1% on the week to 72.67 US uh, cents. So uh, it's a bit cheaper to go overseas. That's why Henry's coming back now. <laughs> he, um, got, he got duped to both ends, didn't he? He got duped to both ends, yep. And, and the, the, the Great British Pound, we're at uh, 55.29 pence, was, which was up, um, up, up. About one percent again, and against the New Zealand dollar, we were down um, about twenty point two percent, which is one dollar and nine. And the euro, we were up one uh, percent to sixty two point two four euro cents. So, so if you're going anywhere in the world except New Zealand, it got a little bit cheaper and got a bit more expensive to go to New Zealand. Um, and the all on risk markets, the equity markets down the, around the world were, were pretty much stable. Um, during the week, the oil ordinaries was up 0.6% to 6,279. Um, the S&P 500 was up 38 to 2,907. Uh, the UK FTSE index was up 49.6 points to 7,331. And the Hang Seng was up 392 points to 27,407. So in percentage terms, there's not a lot of change anywhere around the world in the equity markets. Um, some some stocks that local investors like um, BHP uh, was uh, $32.85, which is up $1.54 on the week. So that, that's that's quite good. Uh, CBA was also up by 71 cents on the week to $71.89. Uh, NIB was down 17 cents to $4, uh, to $5.88. $5.88. And, and Telstra was down 2 cents to $3.15. So, so pretty much no major changes there. Pretty quiet. And the fuel price, um, unleaded was a dollar forty eight point five, uh, Newcastle and a dollar forty eight point five in Sydney. So, uh, Newcastle was down point uh, six of a percent, point six, sorry, point six cents. Not much at all. No, <laughs> and Sydney was down three point five. Um, and the diesel price a dollar fifty five point eight in Newcastle, a dollar fifty four point one. And so it's a long weekend next week. It's oh yeah, they won't. They won't go down between you now. Go up, and you reckon? On of course Thursday? they will. Yeah. I put, oh, next, James, week's, James put next week's pay on it. Yeah, well, you sure? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
We might get Jane to take you up on that. <laughs> she always says they go up, doesn't she? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is Henry Jennings. And Henry, before we get into uh, some of the things happening uh, in and around the marketplace, I'm sure you gave uh, the, the shopping centres a bit of a whirl throughout Europe. Uh, no, I didn't actually. I think I bought a watch strap. I think that was about it. Wow. So, um, Big spender. Big spender, yeah. Well, you can get everything online if you want. I'm not a not a big shopper when I go overseas. It's not not really. Uh, Actually, it's, much fu- it's, it's funny you mention online because I saw an interview with uh, Jerry Harvey of all people uh, oh, yeah. on the television last night, and he was actually saying, "I don't." Uh, there's his words, not mine, but he says that if in his business, only around three or four percent of uh, of all purchases come from online. But I guess they're talking. You know, you're not going to buy a fridge or a lounge suite online, maybe. It's a bit hard to buy a lounge suite online. <laughs> well, they they do do it. Temple and Webster sell uh, you lots of home furnishings online. Lots of people buy mattresses online these days, so um, it is very much possible. Oh, I think it's possible, yeah. yeah. I thought people went in to try those mattresses out when they were a bit tired in the shop and had to lay down and went to sleep on them. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think that Jerry Harvey's kind of missing the whole digital revolution somewhat, so um, he'd he'd rather stick with his uh, dairy farms, which cost him a fortune. Uh, uh, Have they offloaded them yet? Yeah, I think they have. Yeah, I was talking so he won't be selling milk on his website, then? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so, no. <laughs> so so back, to, back to the real world. Yes. West, Westpac, you were away, I think. So Westpac announced that they were increasing their home loan rates for funding costs mm. because of increased funding costs. And, and this week, or yesterday, they come out and say that, oh, they're going to cut the, the rates by uh, 1.1% for new borrowers. Yeah, I love all this. This is, this is fantastic, isn't it? You, if you're a loyal Westpac customer and you've had your mortgage with them for years and be, been unhappily paying the interest rate, um, the Johnny-come-lately people are getting a nice little discount when they sign up and you're being stitched up. It's really not a great reward for, for loyalty. The same applies... Um, I had this argument with a, with a man from Vodafone because the, the introductory offers were far better to sign up to uh, an introductory offer than it actually was to have been a client for 20 years. Yeah. It really is annoying. I, I noticed that National banker Andrew Thorburn has said that, you know, really this isn't sustainable and it's, you're kind of buying market share. Um, clearly they're gearing up for the spring auction season um, and NABs haven't followed in the same vein in terms of um, discounting the front end and, uh, and, and raping and pillaging at the back end. But it didn't seem to be... I, I, the, the stuff I read didn't seem to be that it was a honeymoon rate for the first one or two years. It seemed to be for the no, basically the life of the loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just... Uh, so you'd feel really aggrieved, wouldn't you, if you locked into the life of a loan? If you're an existing mortgage holder with Westpac, you'd probably want to refinance with somebody else and then re- back to Westpac. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Because 1.1% over the life of the loan is a huge amount of money. behind up here anymore. No, no, uh, that's exactly right. Well, uh, good to play catch-up, I guess. So anyone who's already got a Westpac <laughs> loan, I think you need to go and see them and tell them you want the same rate as the, the new loan. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, people rightly feel somewhat aggrieved about that. I guess it costs, costs you nothing to ask the question, but I think maybe that's just the state of business all across the country, isn't it? I mean, everybody's giving everybody else introductory rates, so just always be on the lookout for something better. Yeah, but this is oh, an yeah. introductory rate. This is... If that's for the <laughs> life of the loan, I agree. This is, a, a, life, different story. This is a lifetime one. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you would feel aggrieved if you're a loyal West Bank uh, customer and, share, and well, no, not so much shareholder, but certainly mortgage borrower. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and of course, the NABs, the NABs. <laughs> well, I couldn't quite understand the story. It, it kind of said that his salary was going to go down a million under the new structure, but that was because, but that was because under the old structure he hadn't met the performance targets, and so we we're introducing a new structure. Well, it's always good to introduce a new structure, doesn't it? If you can't make the old structure work, uh, yeah, I, I guess that, you know the banks have been under some pressure in terms of remuneration. Um, we've seen some departures at the National Bank as well, with Andrew uh, Hager leaving and Mike Baird, our former New South Wales Premier, now being elevated into almost the top job, and certainly he is being groomed for that top job. So, um, but the top job doesn't pay as well as it used to, I guess. Um, still pays extraordinarily well compared to the, us mere mortals in the, in the, in the real world. Mm, it's, still, it's still still around ten million, though, is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah not so. bad, is it? You don't need to don't need to be able to uh, hang on to your job for too many years to uh, to make that one work. As we've said before, once you get to that job, all you've got to do is make sure you don't do too many mistakes. Yep. And sit That's there exactly for right. a couple of years and pocket twenty mil. That's right. It's the hard thing is getting there. Once you're there, the machine just does what the machine does. The weight of money keeps it going. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, and so, and this was interesting. Austral, which is a WA shipbuilding company, seems to have won yeah. some contracts to build ships for the US Navy. Um, they've, they've been building ships for the US Navy for a long time. They build a thing called the Littoral Combat Ship, or an LCS, I think it's called. Um, they come in at about five or six hundred million dollars a pop. Um, I think they've built well, quite a lot of these now, 16, 17, I think. So I think this will be their 16th or 17th, rather. Um, so, yeah, they've got two two more they're building. They don't build them in Australia. Um, they build them in Alabama. Oh, OK. So they have a uh, Austral, uh, Austral USA. Um, basically, they have the, uh, the big plans from Austral in Western Australia. They have the, the, the plan. Somebody goes over and shows them the plan. And these guys in, uh, in Alabama put the ship together so um i guess that um, makes it okay in terms of uh, making america great and um and that side of things so that's but good. yeah they've done very well out of that share price has done pretty well as well yeah it's good for austral shareholders um, it is it is and then healthscape is um going to offload their property portfolio into this property trust and they're looking for a co-investor um, it just seems like we're shuffling the deck chairs here to me. I, 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 I don't understand how this is going to improve the performance of the company. No, well, I guess it would um, free up some money for investment. Yep. Um, you know, they run 43 hospitals. Um, their business is in running hospitals, not in owning property. So I guess if they spin off the land and all the buildings, which is worth you know, about a billion dollars or whatever... Um, then it would um, help them in that respect. They just have to pay rent to themselves. This is kind of a um, this is a well tried and tested business model. I have to say, uh, Bunnings is a similar thing. Um, Bunnings, um, the store West Farmers doesn't own all the mm-hmm. um, property. Um, that's been spun into a separate property trust, uh, one of the REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, um, and uh, they pay them rent, same as Next DC did with that. It actually cures the underlying 
street and there's a bloke with um, three egg cups and a pea. If you keep moving everything around long enough, you're going to confuse enough people. Well, you hope the pea's there, Henry. You hope the pea's there. <laughs> well, otherwise someone has taken the pea. Yes. <laughs> I'm confused in that story as it is, Henry. We might uh, come yeah. back with you in just a little while and continue having a look at some of the things that are happening in the marketplace and Thursday Finance at 2NURFM. At Rhys Pritchard, our experience shows that people who plan for retirement reap the rewards when it is time to give up work. By developing a plan now that best manages your super, you will ensure you can live better well into your retirement years. I'm Margaret Glenn from Reese Pritchard and our team specialises in helping people like you get the right plan in place for your future. Call our sponsor Reese Pritchard on 49202877 or Google Pritchard. Spring heralds a fresh new beginning and a visit to Central Village Mayfield this week may blossom into your new residential address. With two-bedroom homes from $410,000 and so close to the CBD, Central Village is Newcastle's most desirable over 55's neighbourhood. So spring in for an inspection all this week, 11 till 3 daily, including Saturday, at our sponsor, Central Village, Arthur Street, Mayfield. 2NURFM Weather. On the waters today, some southerly 15 to 25 knot winds. Seas around 2 metres and 1.5 metre swells from the south and the northeast. High tide coming up at quarter past five. Sun setting at quarter to six this afternoon. If you can find it behind the clouds, that is, and the possibility of some afternoon shower and thunderstorm activity as well. Currently by the lake at Warners Bay, 14 degrees, 13 degrees and Aberglassen as we continue with Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard and Henry Jennings as well. And this time we're going to have a look at some of the happenings with Kathmandu. Yeah, Kathmandu seems to be wanting to expand into the US. And and, and when, I, when I was over in the US, um, oh, it seems ages ago now, two, two, Christmas two years ago. It was ages ago. Yeah, I know. I don't get to drop around the world like it. Um, and we were with a couple of other... We were with two other families, and all the kids wanted to do was go to the North Face shop over there, yeah. which seems to sell similar stuff. So Kathmandu's... It's not going to be that easy, I don't think. Well, um, Kathmandu has done very well. They um, they seem to be sort of got retailing under control at the moment. I'm sure um, weather has helped them, but also, I, you know, I... I was a, um, I'm a Kathmandu, I go to Kathmandu a little bit and buy a few bits and bobs, um, and you used to get the emails saying, you know, buy this because it's really cheap. All those emails seem to have stopped these days. Now, either I've, I've changed my email address and they don't know that, but that's not true, um, or they got a lot better at um, stock control, a lot better at wheeling out products at full price rather than having to discount them dramatically. They bought a business in the U.S. Uh, called Oboz, which makes um, hiking boots and uh, adventure gear. Um, so this is their big entry into the U.S., but okay. certainly this this is kind of a, a lifestyle, aspirational business, I guess, in terms of you know, people buy stuff for the great outdoors on the hope that they're going to one day you know, spend that, that time in, in Everest or Antarctica or wherever. Um, the reality is you, you, know, you wear it around the street because it's warm and cosy. Um, and the, but they've done very well out of this, and it does seem as if they've got their stock levels um, and their product suite under control, certainly by the lack of um, cut price um, fleece jackets that I've seen uh, being offered to me recently. Well, you might have gotten your antivirus software. No, 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 no. I still get all the other rubbish from everybody else, but um, it does seem that Catman do have 
have done uh, have done pretty well. The share price has done pretty well as well. Yeah, you know, I guess it just shows that not all retailing is is, no. is born equal, and some people make good money out of it. And we saw that today with Premier Investments, which owns Smiggle, um, which they're trying to smiggleize the world, um, especially in the UK. Big push in the UK and online as well. So, yeah, people can make money out of selling stuff to people. Yeah, but Solomon Lou would have to be one of Australia's cleverest retailers, I would have thought. Well, I think Solly Lou is, and certainly uh, Mark McInnes, who used to run David Jones, is as well. But, uh, you know, it'd be nice if, if maybe that those two could be put in charge of Meyer to save it from itself. But, um, yeah, we'll wait and see how that one pans out. But at least they have a, a couple of years of reprieve in terms of their uh, banking covenants, which mm-hmm. is a positive. And uh, resource socks. Uh, yeah. People are all over the place. The trade war is going to be positive. The trade war is going to be negative. <laughs> the the tariff weakens. tango. Yeah. It is the tariff tango. Um, it's it's remarkable, isn't it? You, you hear commentators say that basically all these tariffs actually are not going to make any, that much difference at all. Um, these are the same guys that say that you know we've got to have free trade because it's going to make such a big difference. You can't have it both ways. You know, if, if free trade is so good, then tariffs have got to be so bad, surely. Um, the market has taken heart so far uh, in the last few days, at least in resource land, in the fact that the Chinese haven't um, sort of escalated the situation. And to be honest, they haven't got that many bullets. Um, they, they, have got, they have got a very, very large nuclear weapon that they could detonate, which would really upset the U.S., but they haven't got that many bullets. The trade deficit is actually, well, that's what it is. So the Americans can slap tariffs on the Chinese, but the, the Americans don't actually export as much to China, so it doesn't make that much difference to them. So they do have no bullets. What they do have, I guess, at the end of the day, is they have a huge amount of U.S. treasuries, and they do fund a huge amount of the U.S. government debt, which is getting higher and higher. So that is the big, um, that is the big nuke that they could really, um, you know, uh, use in in case of emergency, and they have said they're not going to weaponize the currency either, which the yuan has fallen about nine percent in the last five months. So they they're not going to use that as a weapon. Um, but um, this has got the the trade, the Trump tariff tango will continue to um, to dominate headlines. But certainly, commodity prices have taken a little bit of an up upswing on the back of the lack of escalation. Which is good. That's good. That's good. And Rio's had a $3.2 billion share buyback announced this morning. That's uh, US dollars. On market? Uh, real money. Um, mm. you know, uh, not on market. It's going to be, um, you can tender into it. So you can. Oh, one of be, those. Yeah. yeah, one of those. You can tender part of your holdings in. It's, you know, get the franking and all that yep. sort of jazz. It's going to be very popular, I would say. Yep. And one last thing before we go, I think there's another Royal Commission coming up and uh, aged care stocks reacted appropriately. Um, Yes, it's it's not going to be much fun for aged care stocks. The the problem that they have is that uh, there's a lot of um, people out there, a lot of shonky operators that uh, basically cut costs. And the way they cut costs is to have um, low staffing levels, uh, inadequate training, and uh, they don't spend much money on food or services or whatever. Um, and uh, we're going to see some horror stories, I would imagine, coming out of that because it is a very emotive subject, um, you know, looking after one's elderly parents. Having just visited my elderly mum in the UK, it is kind of, uh, it's, it's emotive. No one, there's no dignity in growing old, but at least um, some of the better providers will um, do okay. That would come out relatively unscathed, but the problem is that we will see increased 
staffing levels, um, increased training requirements and all this sort of stuff, and that will add costs to the business. And if the government doesn't chip in any more money, then um, that is going to affect margins. And I, you know, the government has been cutting uh, mm-hmm. aged care um, funding for some time, despite the, now, they worry, now they wonder why there's um, such a problem. Well, a lot of the aged care... Uh, places don't make any money anyhow, so that, that's, no. that's one of the issues. Yes, yes, yeah. well, that's exactly right. But, you know, I guess you have to ask the question, do we do we privatise aged care or do we make it a societal thing that, uh, you know, we have a duty to look after our old people and therefore it's, you know, it's, it's run not for profit by, by the public sector as opposed for profit by the private sector. So. Yeah. We shall see, but there's going to be a lot more to come in this line. I did see something yesterday, which I haven't seen anywhere else. That they're only going to allow a week for um, the public to make submissions to the Royal Commission, which doesn't seem very long or very comprehensive if you've got a week to, to get your submission in. So I'm, I'm yeah. thinking whitewash. Yeah, we, it's not time to do anything. Stephen, this time around, uh, we're having a look at, uh, I guess, the process for getting financial advice, because it can be daunting for people yeah, that are in that world. that's right. A lot, a lot of people, um, you know, don't understand how the advice process works, and, and, and um, they, they don't, um, they, they think they need some advice, or probably do need some advice, but they don't know how to go about it and how the process works, and, and um, I thought we'd just run through how, how, it actually works today. Now, is it something that everybody should be looking at? Uh, it, it depends, and you know, it depends what you are and how complex you are. Um, you, you know, if you, if you're only um, if you're only um, type of investments, your, um, your industry superannuation fund. Most of those um, funds now have some um, advice you can get across the telephone, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably quite good for some people. Um, and you know. It depends on what what's involved and how complex it is and what goals you're kind of setting. So I guess it really comes back to it question comes one. Back to, set some to, goals. Yeah. So first of all, you need to when you're talking about your financial advice. I mean, what what goals are you wanting to set here? Um, I mean, the industry super funds or, or those type of funds will generally you know do some calculations for you and saying how much you need to retire to produce the, the, your income and 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 they'll generally do those for a, a reasonably small charge. Um, but but once you get into more complex things you really need to go to the the formal process and so so the, it usually works kind of like this you, you you know you go in and meet the the person you selected to be an advisor um and you usually have a meeting with them and at that stage what they should do is they should give you a financial needs analysis or client needs analysis or some other document like that and what you need to do is to to fill that in and document your your goals so and so what will be typically involved in that document it'll have um you know your name and date of birth and you know what when you expect to retire um what assets you've got never yeah yeah <laughs> thank you government <laughs> yeah well whatever what assets you've got like your house or your home or whatever mm-hmm. uh your superannuation and and what your and you know what your goals are you know, various people have different goals um you know Retirement's a popular type of goal. Um, um, it might be how we can how we can buy a house, um, how we can acquire investment property, how we can acquire investment portfolio, or it might be that someone's inherited um, an investment portfolio and they want to know how to best manage that. So what 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 a reputable advisor will do 
will give you a, a financial needs analysis or a similar type document and you need to fill that in and it's important that you do fill that in as best that you can because the advisor is then going to base any subsequent advice upon that information you supply. Now, if, the, if you go to the advisor and they don't do that, they don't ask you for these details, but just try out some product they want to sell to you, um, I think you should get up and leave. Fair enough. So uh, that's that's the basics of between a good and bad uh, advisor, I guess. Now, there's a whole lot of different goals you mentioned there, Stephen, whether it's retirement, whether it's housing, investment, whatever. Do you find generally in this space that, <clears throat> pardon me, that certain advisors specialise in certain type of outcomes or is it everyone should be generally across most? Oh, yeah, certain advisors time specialise in certain things. I mean, um, like we 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 generally steer away at our firm from um, from um, Centrelink, maximising Centrelink benefits, and um, but there are advisors around town who who concentrate on that. Yeah. And from the discussions from Mandy, yeah, um, you can see that it's quite complex and it is a is a, is a specialised area with all these additional benefits you can in um and there's other advisors that will do um self-managed super um and general advice for for people who've got more uh, more money okay so again it can be a case it of can, it can be a try to match match uh, and you know there's firms that will will advise on direct equities um, people want portfolios of directors and other firms because of various reasons uh, can't or, or, or don't choose to advise on directors but will steer you towards managed funds. I guess once all of those basics, those uh, the meat and potato stuff is sorted out, then it gets down to talking turkey about the fees. Yeah, so what you should do, the steps are you need to come back with this... With, with this, um, with this um, you need to do the client needs analysis or financial needs analysis or similar document. You need to fill that in as the best you can and if you don't fill that in properly and if you don't tell the advisor what you what you you're really after you're likely to get the wrong result um there should be some fee arrangement as to to what they're they're going to charge you um for this and then after that's kind of agreed they will produce a, a document called a statement of advice which should be based on um what's in your financial needs analysis um and their recommendations of how to achieve your goals from that point of view. Okay, so uh, moving on from the fees, uh, what's the next advice. step? Yep. So the advisor, the advisor will sit down and go through the statement of advice with you, um, make sure it aligns with your interests, and there should be then a section on how to implement the, the strategies that are involved. And is that a lengthy process? Depends how complex yeah. it depends how complex it is. I mean, if someone wants to put some money for a savings plan for their grandchildren, you know, it's straightforward half hour. If someone wants to plan out the retirement and they've got some rental properties and a share portfolio and some superannuation, you're getting the quite complex stuff. Okay, so well, I guess the final word on on this sort of stuff, Stephen, is um, I guess what do your homework and, and be, yeah, you be need prepared. to get you need to go to the advisor who actually asked you what to want. The first mm. stage should be some kind of analysis document that you need to fill in, and the the best you can fill that in, the better you fill that in, the better the outcome <clears> should be. Okay, so uh, there is a lot in it, but I, I guess the main thing is be prepared and um, have a bit of an idea of what you really want to get out of it. As with any service, uh, that's the way to maximise yep. what they're going to do for you. Yep, that's right, mate. All righty, I think we've, we might have run out of time. 
again. I think I think you might have Jane back next week. If not, you're stuck with me, mate. So she's coming back for holidays as well. I, I haven't got any holidays. Everyone's been on holidays. Oh, you went away to America a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, two so years that'll, ago. That'll, that'll, that'll suit us I'll just I'll have fine. to go to Hawk's Nest instead. Hawk's Nest is fine. That's fine. Our That's former fine. PM John Howard goes up to Hawk's Nest a bit, or used to. Oh, I don't so know. I've right. never seen him up there. I think that might be a rumour. <laughs> might be a rumour. Never saw the, the the golden green tracksuit or something. No, we'd have all the security guards running think after so. him that we'd be paying for. <laughs> no, so. Yeah. Alrighty, that's it. Thursday Finance done and dusted. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.